Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you well? Everyone's We're verging well. on the release. Healthy. We're nearly out. We're nearly out. I have two dinner arrangements for an establishment booked. Booked. Oh. Yeah. When they made the announcement. Yeah. Because my birthday is on a Friday, the 11th of December. So oh, yes. you're well thank now. you, thank you. And when I went on, when they made the announcement, I looked at places in Ranland. They had opened their booking. So I got a half eight booking. <gasps> the dream. On Friday, the 11th of December. On your birthday. On my birthday. Just for me and Lydia and Alexandra, who I live with. <laughs> the, three people, the two people I've seen all the time. No, and two friends. Okay, branch out. Because it's three households. Me and no. and Katrina. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I just thought there was like a rush with the kids, you know. Like you'd be like, oh, I'd love to cast, but it's bedtime. That's a... <laughs> you know. Fuck you. That's brilliant. I'm very excited. You should be excited. I can't, I don't know if I'm that excited. I can't muster any caring. I sort of liked being cocooned in a way. And now I don't know if I want to come out. But like we're into hibernation season anyway. Yeah. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be going mad. I am excited to go home. Go home. Yeah. yeah. That'll be Jesus. nice. Just have a bit of time. Just sitting in, in with your folks. Gaff. Yeah, yeah, watching some Christmas movies and, and having many, some mince pies. Many brothers. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be glorious. 
I know it's it's I'm I'm got but I, we're definitely gonna are we gonna go into lockdown in January? Yeah, well, yes. The vaccine though, <laughs> that's ready. But th- we won't have it by then. No, but we will get one. Yeah, like soon. this might be our last lockdown. What the one in January? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I Do mean, that's think, the plan. Maybe? Definitely another six weeks in January, or probably another ten. Nah, six. I'd say. Check, because I'm a qualified uh, pandemicist. Qualified, yeah. a doctor in the pandemic. Just yeah, I put twenty twenty to good use. You know the way everyone was like, "There's no pressure to do anything. There's no pressure to self improve this year. Just existing is enough." And I was like, mm, "PhD." Well done to you. I know thank that you. would have been good use of the time. Actually, did you do anything? Do you know what would have been I did, good I use acquired of the time? no new skills. Yeah, I got braces. Oh yeah, I actually think I regressed. <laughs> you regressed totally. Um, I, I watched Six Feet Under every single episode. Blast from the past. It was beautiful. Lydia calculated this morning that she and she's going to kill me for saying this on the podcast, but staying in. She watched what would have been 22 and a half consecutive days of The Real Housewives. Really? Mm. Proud boast. Yep. I've definitely just done that already. Uh, No (laughs) pandemic required there. (laughs) I got into, I just watch a lot of TikToks. Found a really funny one that I'll show you guys. Are we allowed to do a show? No. In December? No. I don't think so. Because like the pubs aren't open unless, and I don't know if we're dinner show material. (laughs) Is that what's, what's a dinner show? You know, know, they do dinner theater or something and people have a sit down meal while some kind of show is going on. Why not? Do you know what the dream is? And we should focus on it for 2021 would be like a Christmas special at the Red Cow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just because. Like, but there's like a Christmas dinner and we do a show. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? And then we could get some sort of jazz band for afterwards. Okay. But it would definitely neuter the stories we could tell. Like, for example, I've picked my, um, you know, our charity Creepmas show this year. Happening on Zoom, guys, this week. Um, In Age of Jack and Jill. Yes. I've picked my... um, my story already and like you couldn't, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't be eating now during that damn is it, it Christmas related not at all actually okay. sorry I know that oh, we had we debated do usually that we have a little bit of reference to Christmas <laughs> it's not Christmas related but you can sway well it. for me and others like me with my particular set of interests It'll be like all your Christmases came at once. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. So we can expect a lot of murder and a lot of incest. Uh, incest, your actually, thing. No, incest is Sophie's thing. Yeah, I, I started the incest. She got in Galway. really excited about it in Galway. <laughs> it was a live show. It was a safe space. <laughs> Back when live shows were. Oh, although we love so our much. zooms, we love our zooms on a Thursday. I would, but have been it is the last, last one. It, I, I think everyone to took. I lived for them. Well, well, like we were saying, we'll come back in January when we're locked down again and just restart them. Yeah, yeah. every time they lock us down, we, we get back up again. Like those mutant mints, <laughs> they try to lock they go down. down we yeah. go, we right. zoom again. We we will zoom again. We drink a whiskey drink. We drink a vodka drink. Did you hear about the, the mink? Everyone So they killed all the minks in Germany Very because dark. they suspected. Very dark. What was it? They suspected that they they contracted the, a different type of COVID. And the mink like, yeah. overlords. Just kill them all. <laughs> so they, they fucking killed them all. 
And whatever way they dispose they put the it. bodies in and sprinkle them with lime, as we discussed. But they started to sort of bubble up. Yeah, they were filled with gas and That's like right. little little mink balloons rose, yeah. <laughs> rise, God. rose to the surface of the. I'd say that was a sight to behold. Yeah, it, I didn't, I didn't look too much of the pictures. A lot of creeps sent it on. I was like, not for me. And <laughs> um, but it really reminds me of a very sad image that's embedded in my mind now of the whales. Oh yeah, oh the hundred odd. That was very sad. What were oh what kind of whales were they? They're beached. Is they, that recent they whales beached, or something? They were, they? they were massive. Yeah, killer whales, but they um they they just all some weird conditions in the water, something to do with the storm. And they you know, they just, and they all end up in the beach. What it looked like exploding. was all of them being like, fuck twenty twenty. Maybe fuck it all the way off. And just, and that's just made it. a communal whale decision. Mm, we've had enough now. Just leave these fuckers here to deal with their own mess. Goodbye. And good night. Did anyone have a creep of the week? This well, week? fucking hell. What about that monolith that arrived? I know. Like, are we all just going to glaze over that as if aliens didn't come down and make a bit of land art? Do you and then think, Sophie, take it away. It's the doing of Robbie Williams. That's my theory. Huh? Why? He loves, oh, he loves a aliens. UFO. You're fucking right about that. Yeah, and he's got the money. He's got the cashola. Could have been him. Mm. I think he lives kind of, well, he, It was in Utah. Utah? Is yeah. that close by? Mm. I wouldn't uh, say. I don't think, don't know. And it was... Everything's close by if you've got a private jet, a tw- True. A 12-foot monolith. What, aluminium or steel or something? Very shiny. Very it shiny. like a water feature in a South County Dublin Georgian correct. renovation. Very yeah. correct. And uh, so that's... that. And then it, it appeared and then somebody... Contacted the US government or yeah. police or whatever. And, yeah. and they were like, it's on private land, there's something we can do about it. And then the people were like, okay. Uh, no one knows. And then it disappeared last night. Oh my God. I didn't know it had disappeared. Yeah. And they what? Left. Yeah, I know. It was, yeah. So oh my it just God. came and went. This the best were the photographs people took with it. The selfies. There's a lot of selfies uh, or to guys who first found it took photographs, okay? And they were like, what do you think it is? And then in order to show scale, one of them got on the other guy's shoulders. Uh, like the two, it was just both weird. Like we just stand beside it. Yeah, that's plenty. Scale from one man. Yeah. Um, so that was funny. And, <laughs> and now it's gone. Oh, that. Wonderful. Again, probably the monolith took a look around. Yeah. And was like, nah. Literally read Twitter for about 10 minutes and was like, oh God, thanks, but no. Someone was like, oh, it's the off switch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which it did kind of look like then when I was. And then, of course, there's the headless seals. Of course. I have not heard yeah. this. So headless what? seals were kind of, they're, they've historically been showing up around the place. And then, the, do you remember the, like, it was rutting season and. The fishermen were, one of them was caught trying to shoot a seal and he was like, he's eating all the fish and there's too many fucking seals anyway. But seals are protected in Ireland. They're protected species. You cannot shoot them. So then, like You can punch them, them in the face though. A few of them, <laughs> right, started showing up on the beach headless. And everyone was like, what? As in the washing shot? up. Sorry. Not like, not like <laughs> swimming up to yeah, shore yeah. in a gaping blood wound. Oh my God. And yeah, and then people were like, what's happened here? How do you get a seal's Sorry, head off? Traumatized well, surely children. this is the, the worst way of trying to kill a seal. What do they do? They rise it, raise it from the water into a small guillotine upon a boat, <laughs> cut its head off and release the boat. No, so this is what happens. So a seal will die, as we all will. 
And because the neck is the like weakest joint, okay? So the blubber around will kind of hold the rest of the body together. Yeah. But after a certain amount of decay, the head will just simply fall off. Oh my God. Mm. How traumatic. You're dead. It's dead. I know. But, but like to, to come find it, the yes. body, to find a decapitated seal on your morning walk. Listen, it's no Jesus. Well, joke. I mean, I told you guys already what happened to me on my morning walk. I saw mm. a fully clothed, nowhere near getting into the sea for a winter swim, dry robe. Very wearer. rare to see one outside of its natural habitat. Did you document it? I did not. You but should've. I did do this. Excuse me. How dare you be so cozy in here in the street? What the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> That's just a utility dressing gown. <laughs> for fuck's sake, you're supposed to be dressed. In clothes. Well, but I really, was what to is the difference in... between a dry robe and just a really nothing. long puffer? Just... No, nothing at all. Yeah. People need to just relax. They're relaxing. Things have relaxed around. Is it no, I'm really just the year I'm of really everyone's opinion. Being pissed off it's outrage. And I think it's like, it's like a kind of safe thing to be outraged against. Exactly. It's a fun so, thing. Yeah. So go, I'm really go enjoying it. it. Have, do your worst. Have at it. I told you that seal story because I wanted to segue into the fact that I did another sea swim that I'd like to tell you all about. Oh, <laughs> and uh, somebody in the water was telling me as I was sea swimming. So was another person sea swimming adjacent. And then they said to me, I said, did you ever get attacked by a seal? And they said, I did. Yeah. Quite a number of times, in fact. If you spend any kind of time yeah. in Dublin Bay, law of averages. Yeah. We know. We have a friend who was. Well, they, well, this man proceeded to tell me that now it's sort of pup season. I, I could be wrong here. He could be wrong, rather. And then the pups will come up and, like, you'll get a bump underwater. <gasps> oh, I would die. And I'd probably and drag a few people down with me yeah. in could the you panic. imagine anything worse? No, terrifying. Anyway. So the seal, he was telling me, keep a lookout. This one time, a seal pup came up to explore me and I was like, oh shit, it's a seal pup, but cute. But then arrived the mother. Uh-oh. To belt him in the side. Oh, I thought she was looking for a baby daddy for her seal. Possibly. Well, we don't know the intention. <laughs> was she mounting or belting? It, uh, it was described as a belt in the side. But mm. isn't... So the, I, anyway, I'm going to tell you a shark story today. Oh, class, I love sharks. Oh, but quickly before but, we leave seals. Yeah. Um, do you remember? Uh, do you remember? <laughs> Every time in my mind that song plays. Um, What's the next line? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so she does that first line plays. December. Um, Something like that. Is it, does it rhyme with December? It's December is in fact it, I think. Um, 21st night of December. Or 31st of September. Very hard. (laughs) (laughs) I've lost it now, Cass. Don't be looking at me like that. I can't stop talking again. Um, We haven't... uh, Wait, wait. Seal. That's it. Seal. I know somebody whose nose was bitten by a seal in Dunleary Harbour. You wouldn't have a fucking nose. That person was lying. It was... A person with a nose? A person whose nose had been quite mangled by a seal. Oh, that's it. That's fair. <laughs> fair, fair. But that's terrifying, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's terrifying. It surfaced right in front of them. I, that would be enough for me. I would just... Hard to freak. know what to say. You know, when someone breaks your personal space like that. <laughs> and they're so enormous. But it's they like really a dog. Are. What are they called in Irish? 
something nefarious. Dogs Madre of the sea. Madre nefariga. Yes, that's right. Dogs of the sea, and they are very. Are they now cane? You know, like the head of a badger. Oh yeah, and the jaw of a seal. I'd say now, that would see an entity, no problem. Those two things combined into one creature. Sure. I mean, I think maybe the jaw of a seal would be very strong. Ah, uh, yeah. But you know, all jaws are really strong. Like True. our own jaw. The strength. There's like a, a mechanism in our brains mm. that stops us from using the full strength of our jaw. In case we burst through our upper face. Yeah, in case we actually eat our own faces. Now, the jaw of a mouse wouldn't be as strong as you say, though. So I wouldn't say it's a lethal weapon. All jaws are equal. <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> I told you 2020 PhD correct sorry I should never I just got my PhD in six feet under just but that's that's a small issue it's devastating what have you got for us (laughs) I don't know my my stupid computer has just decided to it needs an update I shan't click the button I have a few stories of this burned me back into the sea and the old shark survival shark attacks now I've done this before and sharks have a bad rep and they aren't all out to kill us but they're wild animals and if they, they're hungry, they will. And uh, I'm just going to tell you about it. And we're people. in their space. <clears throat> totally. And they probably saw the dry robe discarded just on shore and yeah. said, Whoa, hey, one of these. Yeah. I hear these ones are really tasty. I think though. And then someone else is like, nah, nah, those ones are full of shit. <laughs> around. I will single-handedly keep the dry robe beef going. Why are you so, why is it such a passion it's full of whimsy and I need a whimsical beef. You, Cassie, Fair. have one. Don't carry beef into the ocean around sharks though. Well, th- I don't or think they... menstruate, I suppose. Yeah, mm. I think if you had your menzies, you might be in a bit of trouble. My moon period. As we know about preferred the term. smell of the shark. Anyway, I, I'll hold back. You guys go first. Okay. Like, don't hold back. Ding, 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 ding. Can't, I can't go with you. I don't know what song that is. Come with yeah. me. No. What is it? Don't, don't hold back. Ding, 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 ding. No, 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 no. Nothing. No, not, not for me either. Okay. Um, what do you got, Kat? So uh, I have people who marry things. Oh, Yay, lovely. I love those people. Because they don't just marry them. They also fuck them. They do. They do. So Consummate, Jen. Consummate. There's or, plenty or of them. <laughs> what would your thing Henry be? Henry Hoover. What? Henry, yours would be a Henry. You're so a Henry. Jones. I do like I do like a Dyson. I think I'd go Dyson. Just because you know the suck's not too hard. <laughs> I have a lot of hair. I'd marry a dry robe. Uh, oh. <laughs> Seems could, like it's off to a bad start. Do you know what people are doing in dry robes? <laughs> Fucking themselves. No, you could have a full wank in a dry oh, robe oh and no one would notice. Of course you could. But not if you had just been using it for its express purpose of drying off after a sea swim. A wank straight after a sea swim. Near salty. impossible. Very salty. salty. Hands are too cold. Stingy, salty. But if you went for your swim with it in the perfect shape and then your hand froze like that, <laughs> you'd have a great time. I don't know. <laughs> And it would be so numb that it would be like the strength. Someone else's hand. But yeah. much like the jaw, destroying your upper jaw, your hand might accidentally rip your Mickey right off you. <laughs> and your Mickey's already cold and numb, so it's not going to know either. So it's no, probably no an harm, after no foul. Yeah. But an no after sea wank is probably pointless. No one's feeling anything <laughs> except the joy of being in the goddamn sea. <laughs> it is great. Um, but you know who hates me? Everyone. 
But like, because everyone's you keep bringing in it the up. Seat. Yeah, I keep bringing it up, and I can't help it. It seems to be some kind of byproduct of getting into this. Oh yeah. Oh, it's like you meet, like you can only talk about, about it. it. It's like your teeth are chattering. Like, I was in this. Yeah, I was. Did you know? Did you know? Yeah, I can't help that. And uh, everyone hates me. Who's been there a hundred years? All the very, very old people. Oh yeah, because you're blowing. Yeah. They can tell by the dry rub. One guy gave out to me because I was talking to my neighbor friend, and he said, "This isn't a cafe," and I said. What the fuck? You're g- I'm a, can I have a conversation I'm with outside. somebody. I'm outside. Were you blocking the entrance to the sea? We were but in like, the sea. I <laughs> talk to, like I go swimming with my friend to talk. We talk as we swim. Yeah, that's the whole point. To distract yourself from feelings of death, you know, that you're about feelings to die. Yeah. yeah, that's, um. yeah, I suppose that's kind of 40 foot attitude for you, isn't it? Fucking hell. I think you're Come going swim to, in to my the wrong place. places. Yeah, I am. I am going to the wrong place. Zero, nobody swims where I swim. Where do you swim? <laughs> in the, uh, beside the, um, you know, sewage. Sewage works. That's why. Yeah. yeah, but very quiet and you can I talk w- as loud as you want. Very good for immune system there. So yeah, oh my God. Look at me. Yeah. Look at me. You're glowing. You've ever seen you're radioactive. Anyone, anyone healthier than this? No. Never. Of course you haven't. <laughs> Bull Island is a great shout. Okay, good to know. Um, And there's a nice little coffee container there okay outside of my uh, kilometer thing doesn't well, matter what's the situation with the kilometers now I don't know anymore oh you can move from county to county now oh no, no. from the 18th. all over all over your county now oh oh there you go now that's pretty good isn't it yeah right let's go back and do what we said we were gonna do which is tell creepy stories no one came here to listen to us talk about being in the fucking sea you're right get in get the in sea it. so <laughs> Uh, objectum sexuality is a sexual orientation linked okay this is sad actually oh, it's linked trauma. to um, syn- that's synthesia synesthesia synesthesia really? and autism so people who have particularly high um, reactions or like visceral reactions to the feeling and touch and smells of things. Okay, so so that's how a very connect, a very strong bond can occur. Can form, right? Okay. So um it's often under researched. Objum sexuality is has received very little attention except for the mad stories that we hear, which I'm mm. gonna get into, and hasn't had that much academic literature written about it. So individuals who identify as objum objectum sexual experience emotional romantic and sexual feelings towards inanimate objects most predominantly bridges and statues wow bridges Mm. that's phenomenal yeah so it's linked to two separate neurological traits autism and synthesis synesthesia synesthesia um they the os individuals process possess significantly higher kind of um are higher on the autistic spectrum. Okay. So it is interesting, right? But um, there are a couple of stories that are just mad, right? A woman named... Sorry, this all started because I'm having very strong feelings for a house I saw on Daft.ie <laughs> in Wicko. Is it the one in Wicko? The mansion? No, like, it's not it's the Max Murder Mansion. You sent to us. You sent us a link a while back. Of mm. a... Of a house in Wicklow, maybe you've been. I, s- I do. I, this is all the time. This is constant. I definitely probably wouldn't have sent it on to you because I only came across it this week. Really strong feelings. Romantic worthy. feelings. 
like I'm like can't stop thinking about this house and I wondered was I could I just forego the mortgage and marry it like is that an option because <laughs> I would <laughs> I absolutely would do that oh. hmm. it's two million euro also so I'm right. a bit cash. shy it's on the ridiculous cash but I'll show it to you put it on your vision bit. board it's there it's two all million. I'm thinking about that's oh. just way outside you need something it's in Enniscary which is practically Dublin Wait till you see it. I'll send it to you there on Again, your phone so you can take a look. Between home improvement uh, chit chat and the daft obsession, we're quickly turning into a, a lifestyle podcast. Lifestyle podcast. Mm. Anyway, it's gorgeous. Oh, oh. I can't stop thinking about it. Do take a look at it. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, can I marry this house or whatever? Then went down this rabbit hole. Has anyone people. ever married a house? Yes. Yay. Yes. No. Have. You can't legally. No, but like, I'm going to tell you a story of a woman who was married Santa Fe train station. <laughs> right? So Carol Santa Fe from San Diego, California. <laughs> she took its name. She took, she took his name. Traditional. Says she has been in love with Santa Fe train station since she was nine years old. The volunteer sport worker takes a 45 minute bus ride to the station every day to spend time with the building. And though their marriage is not legally binding, she tied the knot with the building in 2015 and celebrated their one year anniversary at the time of this story being written. So the 45 year old says she has sex with the building mentally and identifies herself as an objectum sexual. Okay. So she didn't. I mean, again, nobody is harmed here. No, nobody's nobody is harmed. They're just rubbing themselves off things, though, in public. Mentally, she said she was sure to to add that. Okay. Um. So she didn't discover that this was a thing until she was 40. And then she felt like she'd found her place in the world that she Is had it, that label. It's not considered to be a fetish, no? It's not in that sort of bracket of... Um, it's debated about whether it's a fetish, fetish or a mental condition. And the study that I was reading from earlier on went on to conclude that it is more likely to be mental a, condition. A can, but like a genuine condition feeling rather than a fetish. Okay. Because they've connected to people to, who respond. Gotcha. In that way. Mm-hmm. It's not like people who love feet, you know. Like they don't have. I think You're people right. like okay. feet a just like mentally with... really like feet. They don't okay. feel something greater. Is it not a problem that the thing is not giving them anything back? Um, it doesn't seem to be. Okay. So, um, Carol said, I am married to the Santa Fe train station. Or that she has to share the building with so many other people. Yeah, I'd say mm. that'll get to you. Definitely. The jealousy. Her name is Deidre. We didn't start a relationship. So she's, <laughs> she's a gay train station. That's fine. I think Jen just needs a minute. T, the T in LGBT is for train station. Who said Wait, that? I, is that a quote or is that a Cassie Delaney quote? I'm hyperbolating. <laughs> so we didn't start a relationship in 2011, but I had been in love with the station since I was a young girl. When we got married, I stood there and I told her that I take it as my partner. It was the happiest day of our lives. <laughs> I take, Sorry, it's just including the train station. Yeah, it's a her big assumption to make when is. the train station cannot confirm. I wonder who named her Diadra as well. It's D-A-I-D-R-A. And expected her to not grow up to marry a train station. No, no. Diadra is the name 
of the train station. Oh, that is how sorry. Carol refers to her life partner. Oh, oh Carol has named okay. Deidre. Okay. Yeah. So I wonder, does Deidre mean anything like train station in another language? I'm not too not too sure. Um. So this is what she does when she goes to. Do you want to know what she does when she goes to? Visit? I'm not sure. I do. I to think be honest, she stares intently in her eyes. Yeah. Doing well, the mental sense. When I get there, I say hello to her. Oh. Then I walk around the block, circling around her, trying not to let anyone notice I am talking. Okay. There's a private bit where two walls meet. I go there to touch her, which I do by leaning against her with my clothes on. When I'm touching her, I feel as though I, it actually holds me and kisses me. Oh, oh God, this is really okay. sad. This, there's a sadness here. There is. There is. There absolutely is. And you, like, know, you know, with your one who married the ghost on this morning, like yeah. something kind of cheerful about that one compared yeah. to this one. Because she's always on this morning and you know that's kind of doing her it for shtick. her. Yeah. I, I feel like Carol has found Deidre and then, because Deidre will never ask for a divorce or will never hurt her feelings. It is an ultimately very safe yeah. Do you know? Deidre's going nowhere unless oh God, don't something say happens to Deidre, like a fire or a decision to halt the trains mm. or maybe a redevelopment. A redevelopment. Apartments. Would be. The redevelopment. Well, I suppose redevelopment is just how like Keith Urban feels about Nicole Kidman's face. Absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> I just can't get over your hatred of Nicole Kidman it's and Terry Robes. It feels it's like an attack <laughs> on my lifestyle. Which is to swim. It's all about Nicole Kidman. Just to swim, dry myself neatly and then watch the undoing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, though. You know, since I've been really vocal about the terrible styling of the undoing, all I get sent is pictures all day long. Of green oh, more bags. Yeah. More bags. More, more bags. Um, so. And articles from The Guardian about it. When we're back to the holding and the kissing, the building. In the private place. But Carol says, I don't have physical sex with the station in public. I want to be respectful. I wouldn't do that with a human in public. So why would I do it in this case? That's true. I do have sex with Deidre in my mind when I stand there. You can do that with anyone you want. I especially (laughs) like having sex with you right now, Sophie. (laughs) Nothing you can do about it. (laughs) This is uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just okay, glad you're now in your I'm respective homes. <laughs> and you're I'm not doing you good. <laughs> this would be really weird if we were in the there. same room and you were making eye contact with me. <laughs> now I'm sexing you real good. This is um, a cyber crime. <laughs> you're missing the good part of the story as well. So I then just, Carol I feel says, sad and unhappy. Carol says... I especially like when I hear the trains rev up their engines. Mm -hmm. It turns me on. Yep. That turns a lot of people on. So Carol had lived in California. When you're sitting on it, when it's idling, that can be very nice. (laughs) It is all about the seam of your pants. So Exactly. (laughs) Good seam placement. Not unseemly. Focus your mind, Sophie, us. and just let's collectively sex Cassie through this story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope that there's someone listening who's enjoying this out bit. to me for help. <laughs> <laughs> Is 
that probably is a form of sexual harassment. In fact, that's not a form of it. It just is. It's not sexual harassment. It is sexual harassment. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I just took a joke too far. I didn't mean to mentally sex you and then talk about it over and over again. And this is technically a workplace. This mm. this Zoom call constitutes a workplace. Am I fired? Then. You're fired. We're letting you go. We're going to have to put, I think, an internal investigation. Feet up. Feet up. But I, you're in it with me, Sos, because I got you in and you didn't, you didn't tell anyone. You didn't go to HR. You just nodded and said, yes, I will sex along with you. (laughs) You're, you're fucked too. You're all, you're all. Jen Rogan has become Jen Weinstein. I have. And I apologize. Okay. Back to the train station, love. Carol, who had lived in California since she was three, claims that the train station is the love of her life despite her previous relationship with men. Oh. So she added, I loved a human once before. His name was Tom and we were together for 18 months, but it didn't work out. And I felt amazing when I got into a relationship with Deidre because she told me that she would never leave Leave me. me. Oh, yeah. I love her so much. She is so romantic. We first consummated our love a few years ago when I felt the wall behind me and I felt this energy I came close to an orgasm oh, and I was scared I'd get caught by the station staff. I don't ever want the security guards to find out that I'm a closeted objectum sexual. Maybe don't do an interview. Mm. <laughs> but I only hide my sexual attraction to the station because I simply don't want people to find out and ban me from seeing her. It's not at all because I am ashamed. So what, where was this? Where was he? I mean, who interviewed her for this? This her she's that she's appeared all over the place. This okay. story has been everywhere. Um, she's been in the Metro, the Daily Mail, the usual. Um, is there not an element of like, is this woman unwell in some way? And um, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, but she's happy. But she's happy. She does seem. Ha- she's saying she's happy. Yeah, I love like uh, the San Diego train station security detail people are just like oh, there's Carol again no they don't know who it is but they know that she's blabbing all over the place so they're probably non-stop like <laughs> looking at every woman who's leaning up against the, a wall. the private parts yeah just not not sure who to trust poor Carol so she seems happy not just on Carol. your question there of like what happens when they go to um, demolish the thing yeah. One woman, um, Babylonia, Avizia, in Seattle, married her love, a 107-year-old warehouse, the day before it was doomed to be torn oh down. My God, the day that before is so romantic. Babylonia, get it together. <laughs> the luxury, the site was to make way for a luxury apartment, apartment complex. So always them. And she was mourning the loss of the place. She was actually an activist and a protester who didn't want the complex to be built and fell in love with the warehouse, I'm assuming, during that journey. They never build, like, <laughs> unluxurious uh, apartment blocks, do you know what I mean? <laughs> They're never, like... Bog standard. We're just going to build a real standard, pretty average load of apartments here. Yeah. They're all called well, luxury. Like luxury housing or student apartments. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's the code. They're everywhere. Mm. They're everywhere. I'm actually just being engulfed by student accommodation yeah, where I are. live now. It's Doesn't just they're they're coming in and in out. and in. 
bedroom after bedroom. Just one, one expensive bedroom at a time. Yep. So um, for everyone to sit in and do college on Zoom. Yeah, exactly. For well, they're empty. Lo- loads of them are empty. That's why there is an issue. Um, they have they they were doing this like short term. You know when they were. Oh, this is for another podcast. <laughs> like, sorry, there's no huge segue back to Babylonia. Back to Babylonia. So she felt Wait, there's some people who are like really, really want closure on that anecdote, Gassy. When they were building the apartments for the student accommodation, part of the deal was that they couldn't be used for short term lettings uh, yeah. for other things. Now they've built so many, and the way the world is, there's not enough students to fill them. So now they're allowing people to live there for two months oh, at a time because they're not built for. That kind long-term of living they're not built for families they're not built, they're not for, built any for anything workers fucking useful absolutely not Desperate. they are build student accommodation just give everyone their own little kitchen so that like mm. it can be used for other things also anyway you're welcome Bloody nora babylonia fell in love with the building after joining <laughs> a 200 person strong occupy seattle remember them yeah remember what was it occupy, occupy central, central bank, bank. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, those Occupy movements. Yeah. Were they even in the tents? They just put the tents up and moved on, didn't they? Perhaps. Um, so when she was in the protest, as we suspected, that's when she fell in love with the building. Um, they just, the main purpose was that they completely objectified the, um, sorry, they didn't objectify it. <laughs> I was wondering where, where this was going. They completely were opposed to it objected to it objected to the gentrification of the area um, but then she in, invited everyone to another again female female building interestingly yeah um, so there was one and then the most famous one in the world is probably the woman who married the Eiffel Tower Ooh. oh you're right well, I've Never definitely heard, heard of her. her Erica Eiffel <laughs> <laughs> It's taking the building's name is the funniest shit ever. What did oh, Babylonia so nearly good. take? A 107-year-old warehouse. <laughs> Babylonia <laughs> luxury apartment. <laughs> <laughs> what would you take? <laughs> Babylonia is your first name. Um, it's no top in that. There isn't. No. The, O'Reilly, the, probably. Babylonia O'Reilly. O'Reilly Hall. such a ring oh, to no. it. There you go. Um... But all right, but like, when you, you can't win. take the name of a building that's named after a person. Balls that's just taking a person's name. <laughs> just balls. 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 Yes, yeah, Sophie balls. balls. <laughs> Love it. I'd go for something like a Ford Fiesta. Would you? Sturdy, reliable, family orientation. You've got the same values. <laughs> Set up for a lifetime of happiness. <laughs> Absolutely. We probably live as long as each other now at this point. Uh, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna wed my house in Wicklow. Cassie. Wicklow. Wicklow. <laughs> Cassie, 26 acres. <laughs> <laughs> so, Erica Eiffel, who is an American competitive archer and advocate for object sexuality. Ooh. Wow. She famously married the Eiffel Tower in a commitment ceremony in 2007. It's not a real wedding then, was it? After serving. <laughs> All right. So she did serve in the US. Did it take place at the Eiffel Tower? Um, I'm pretty sure it did. She was actually banned from being at the <laughs> Eiffel Tower at was. one point because she kept 
rubbing it. Um, <laughs> she was doing the sex. She in was the doing the sex with the with the Eiffel Tower. You couldn't get any of it in. You're really just straddle rubbing, and that could be to an untrained eye like somebody scratching an itch. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to so a trained eye, however, <laughs> you're she, fucked. She uh, said that uh, she first encountered the Eiffel Tower in 2004 and felt an immediate attraction. That she she said she feels an innate connection to objects. It comes perfectly normal to people like me to connect on various levels: emotional, spiritual, and physical. Mm. Into the April 2009, on the second anniversary of her marriage to the Eiffel Tower, she appeared on Good Morning America and explained. How her object love empowered her. Her 20 year relationship with the. Oh. Oh, this is sad. Oh, dear. Oh, Prior no. to being in a relationship with the Eiffel Tower. And who could have known? She was in a relationship with the Berlin Wall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that obviously ended abruptly. Imagine being ghosted oh, by the object yeah. that you love. <laughs> that was a wall. You're like, this going nowhere. This thing is going nowhere. It can oh. never leave. Oh, oh well. So that's really sad. But she also, she's had quite a few flings. <laughs> so she also had a relationship with her arching bow, which is what right. helped her. She said their connection, her connection with her bow, Lance, is what helped her to become a world-class archer. I think... I don't don't know I mean I don't know about this do you want to see a picture of her kissing kissing the Eiffel Tower with tongues or (laughs) you wouldn't want to use tongues on a cold day in Paris be hard to get any of it up inside you is the only thing oh look yeah yeah I mean but I'd say you could get an Eiffel Tower lonely life (laughs) as Ronald life She lives in lonely life. You know that tune? What's the next line? <laughs> That's it. Nothing else here. I'd oh, say I'm just Googling, doing a quick Google to see if Where is she, she today? No, if you can get an Eiffel Tower dildo. <laughs> Clearly. No question. You can. apps. And it's on sale. $22.95. It's that amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Black Friday. There you have it. Thank you for that. That is or an array of colours, obviously. An amazing story. You are welcome. Wait, there's many more of these because I recall. I recall a man with a car. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty. Uh, There's a lot of different things. It's hard one, isn't it? What you really want to do if you are a friend or family member with this thing? What's it called again? Object defeat. Object something or other. Is shield them from the press. Mm, yes. <laughs> Number one. Don't. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Physically stop that from happening. Well, but like, yeah. Here we all are at the creep dive. I'm about to bring you into the ocean. Yeah. Because have I told you, I went for a swim today. No. <laughs> I know. I did. You didn't. I did. Do you like it? Yes, now I do. Did you get the, did you wet the head? No. Just the tip? Just the tip. Okay. Um. So here I was then thinking about sharks. Of course, we've mm-hmm. done a few shark episodes. My face. And I think I do remember that getting a bit of kickback from one of them. I remember reading at more than one DM saying like, "Stop the bashing of sharks." 
Now, is it bashing to just relate stories about them? Yeah, well, I think the argument was that they have a bad rep, and then they're you know in in some it's places in the world there was a there there there's the instinct to kill the sharks. It's like the killer whale thing. It, that they actually uh, yes, aren't that, that terrible. Dangerous. Yeah, well, they're not. They're definitely. Well, they, sorry, they are absolutely dangerous. Particularly mm. certain types of sharks. But like we're in their natural habitat. What do we expect? They're yeah. not like, oh, there's a human. I'll particularly kill that one. Plus, we're not hating on them for just doing what they are programmed, programmed to, do. to do. And we are programmed to podcast. <laughs> so don't hate on us either. Uh, so I was reading this piece. There's loads and loads of stories of people being attacked by sharks. And I'm going to just tell you about a couple of them. But before I tell you about this, you might remember it. There's a really famous one. And I can't rem- I can't know what fucking year it is. But uh, this guy, what the, hang on a sec. Ken Crew, do you remember him? Ever heard of this no, guy's name? No, no. Like very like a scene from Jaws. This is what happened to this guy. He was there, a group of middle-aged swimmers, much like myself and the others, <laughs> taking a regular early morning dip. Again, much, much like, like you. Yeah. Uh, however, unlike me, this was Australia. So North uh, Codslow Beach, right? Around 100 people were milling around, just watching a gentle surf roll in and out. Lovely. Nothing to be frightened of. Or so you would think. Then, uh, some of them were even sipping lattes in the water. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, right. Enter Ken Crew. Are you sure this wasn't the 40 book? Who's there with his mates. And he says, is there something out there? He asked his friend as he was uh, kind of pot- paddling along in the shallows. He was in waist high, okay? A second later, <gasps> his leg torn off by a great white shark. Oh my god! Sixteen feet long shark. Oh my god! I love when they attack in like six inches of water. Yeah, like so. Do you know what I imagine? It looks like just a big dark cloud has kind of appeared beside you. Oh. Anyway, people were screaming, and then the whole water turned red. And his friend Dirk tried to beat the shark back, and was bitten very badly on his legs and feet. Uh, So our crew Ken was dragged what was Dirk trying to beat him back with his, his legs, body his, his legs, legs and, and his feet. arms oh my god and his feet and his legs Dirk. so anyway crew was dragged to shore but uh, by the people by some of the swimmers around him but uh, sadly the 49 year old father of three had lost too much blood and died right there in the sand oh my god that's one of those moments Jen I thought you were telling us sorry kind of a shark attack with a kind of I don't know upside nothing like at all Doctor Doolittle sort of like Robin Williams could have played the victim no I think in in that case okay. there just nobody stood a chance although it did sound like sixteen foot do we know was it a great white it was a great white wow anyway I here mean, we are how can they stand around like not only just in the water at all but in the water with lattes. Oh, well, like that level of relaxation in waters that you know are home to great whites. But at that depth, I just think you wouldn't even, you just. But like, I live in on the east coast of Ireland and, and I still, know that sharks can attack you factor. in eight inches of water. It is, it is. And sadly, he did die. Enter another and the tension person. I feel just in the Irish Sea where there are no sharks. And I still like I wouldn't put on goggles because I don't like to see underneath me in the water because of things like this because of the sharks. I just don't want to see them. Right here's Alan Opert. Okay. Okay. Like most Sundays, he uh, knocked in for his friends Dan and Dave, and headed down to the beach, Western Australia. So uh, they were heading together on a regular kind of outing, 
lattes in hand. Absolutely, no literally, yes. Had a strong coffee and Dry room uh, among them before towing a boat to a nearby ramp, and uh, they, they, their, his mates launch another boat beside. So, Alan turned the key in his boat's engine and headed out. Glassy sea, no swell at all. Beautiful. We're in Australia. Sun is shining. Got your your safety uh, safety cream. What do you call that? Sun, Sun cream. cream. <laughs> <laughs> Got your yes. safety cream off. Uh, and you're hitting don't the beach. forget that safety cream. <laughs> so. Okay. So off they go. The two boats heading into the dive site that the men visited most weekends of the year. Conditions allowing. Right. 15 minute boat from shore. And uh, so the site featured a cylindrical cavity about six meters wide and three meters deep on the ocean floor. So they're diving. They're diving. Six meters wide, three. Yeah. Did I say they were surfing earlier? Anyway, they're no, diving. No, no, no. So, yeah. So, it's like a crater filled with kind of interesting things to look at if you were a diver. Okay. So, um, so in they go. So, where are we? So, after several hours taking two separate dives into the heart of the crater, only a single tank of air remained between the six men. And uh, so, Alan said to his mate, Dan, you go. And then Dan said, I ah, know, you take it. Uh-oh. So Alan was like, and I will. So he entered the water for his third dive of the day, this time on his own. Alan, 42-year-old prison officer, began his descent. And the process, as always, involved releasing air from inside of his buoyancy vest mm-hmm. to enable the weights, right, to drag him down into the crater area. Uh, so this time, he didn't make it because a torpedo-shaped bulk of a fucking great white... <gasps> was inside the crater. <gasps> oh my God, in no. it. So Alan was like, okay, I can see that happening and I shan't go further. Stopped the release of air, right? Right. And uh, he describes it here. He said, the shark was going over to one spot, having a look, going over to another, having a sniff. He said, these sharks are like dogs. Their gestures and behavior. They hunch up their backs when they're annoyed. And this one was annoyed. Oh my God. All of a sudden. Alan, get the fuck out of there. She spun around. I got about halfway to the bottom and said said to myself, she's going to attack from the back or she's going to attack from the side. He said, the funny thing is, I didn't think about dying. So So he had this kind of cool head, right? And a presence of mind to reinflate his buoyancy vest, like we were saying, to stop him going down further. Yeah. And uh, so... The great white have been, so they fucking, great whites are incredibly fast underwater. And uh, they've been clocked swimming at 13 meters a second, right? So it's no great surprise that the impact of the strike instantly ripped Alan's face mask, took it down around his neck. (sighs) He was like, So she actually came from the front, basically. Or... Or well, anyway, she moved so quickly. He was fiddling around with his vest, trying to oh. stop the descent. Saw the shark, stopped the descent, fiddling around, and boom! Right, and he was like, "It happened in a split second. Right. The mouth, her mouth was wide open, and she hit me in the guts with her nose. And I thought, oh, here we go. Oh my god! So he kept his regular, you know, the mouth thing going, and he was, and he was just, but he was biting just down on it. Yeah, his eyes with no. He struggles. couldn't really see. And uh, oh my god! So he's holding that between his teeth, and uh, so throughout the dog-like shaking of his body that followed, he managed to pull the mask back over his face and get rid of the water that was in it. Oh, 
Alan. He was being Are you a fucking legend? Back Alan? and forth like this. Oh, like Jesus. flailing around. Like you're one at the start of Jaws. That's it, exactly. Like a dog would do, you know, shaking shaking a toy or something. He said he thought to himself, Wow, this is big. It's big. She was clenched down on both my legs, he says. And its teeth her teeth were going through to the bone. The pressure was so great that I thought if it gets any tighter, she's going to rip both my legs off. Oh my God. So Alan's, he had this and lots of uh, divers have this and I think they, they were doing the spear fishing. So he had that spear down one leg. You know, the, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. thing that they shoot fish with. So the the shark couldn't get through that. It obviously hit that. And um, so here, hang on. So that had, so it, they reckon that that's what sort of let him get out of it. And it, it stopped the kind of shark gaining total purchase. Yeah. She was like, I'm not going to get through this lump of metal. So when the shark released its grip, the, inflate, the inflated buoyancy vest sent him shooting to the surface. And oh. uh, that's where he was kind of pulled to safety. Oh my God. Even the fact that they managed to pull him to safety, like when his legs were now dangling down. Oh. That's right. And so he, Alan got away uh, with both of his legs. And... Uh, he descended without caring. Okay, so he got away with both his legs. Humongous scars across oh, everywhere, yeah. obviously. But uh, he got out of the water and um, he was intact, luckily. Jesus, did he ever swim again? He did. He did fucking swim did. again. Incredible. So it here is, I'm going to tell you a quick other story. I think I barely have a bath after that. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard oh, to know. God. So where, let me think about this, right? Then, before you sit your hand there, let me see. All right, here we go. Pause now. You chit-chat amongst yourselves while I find another story. Here it is. His name is William. Another diver, right? Mm. He was out with two mates. And one of his mates had a shark-repelling noise thing on her ankle. Right. So they were like, there we are, doing the right thing. One of us has these. We should be grand. So the three of them were diving around on the floor looking at the crayfish, blah-de-blah. And uh, he said at that point he heard or felt a boat coming, another boat. So he ascended thinking to himself, fuck it, we're laptops and wallets and all shite on our boat. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure this boat. Uh, it could, anyway, I'll go up and check it out. So he looked, got up to the surface, looked around, saw the other boat. He said it was close enough, but the other, they seemed distracted on the boat. They were looking over the other side of the boat. And he was like, oh, they don't have any interest in our boat. Yeah, yeah. I'm going back down. Oh God, what are they looking at? So back on the ocean floor, William found that his friends were gone. He couldn't see them. <gasps> Not panicked. Oh, uh, so he, he said he bounced around two meters on the ocean floor to kind of uh, clock their position. And mid bounce, he was struck beho- from behind with immense force. Oh my God. Like, no. Fia punto. Boom. Oh, oh my God. And he says here in his, in his words, I'm not very small and for something to take me from zero to 100 kilometers an hour in a fraction of a second, bending me double, you think, God, I have been hit. Have I been hit by a fucking submarine? <gasps> he said he came Jesus. from below, behind and rammed him. He just rammed me, he said. So when I first got hit, I was winded, picked up by the left arm, pushed through the water. So the visibility went. I was stunned. I didn't know what was going on. I had a dead weight hanging off my arm. He said, your peripheral vision in a face mask is zero. So when it slowed down, when the kind of flailing slowed down, the first thing he did was swung his head around. 
and the bells went off. A shark's eyeball literally <gasps> filled my face mask. No. Oh my God. I hate their weird dead I know. black eyes. I remember looking down its side when it was swinging me around like a dog. And I noticed my flippers were about halfway down its length. It was a big shark. So oh my it was just God. so solid, he said. It felt like a brick wall. Oh my God. Uh, so apparently, again, hampered by the position of his spear gun along his left side, the animal released its grip and the diver found himself on the ocean floor where he, he kind of headed in towards a little leafy ridge. And he was like, I'm just going to hang here, get my bearings and see if I can get the fuck out of this situation. So he said, I tucked up against a wall. I remember kneeling on the sand and uh, the ledge just came over waist height. I was hunched down. There wasn't enough room for me to get everything in there. I was really puffing hard, breathing like a steam train, beginning to hyperventilate. I remember hearing my heart banging, 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 thinking to myself, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. This thing has got my name uh, punched. It's not going away. I was that close. Presumably he's like bleeding as well. To going to the dark side, going into a blind panic. He was close to saying, you can't do anything. You may as well just roll over and die. But then I got angry. And he said that this was going to stop me seeing my family. And he thought to himself, you will die unless you try and work out how to get out of this. So he said he managed to slow down, check his gear was okay, keeping one eye on the shark, still had plenty of air and it went away into the gloom. I had a rough idea where I'd seen it disappear and next thing it came flying across the reef at me <gasps> I had my spear gun and I thought I could shoot it but then it it just it was just getting annoyed and crazier I saw it coming out of the gloom then it charged it ran at me like a car it was like a dart fuck Dublin area rapid transit <laughs> the distance would have been about 15 to 20 metres and it covered that in a couple of seconds I had just enough time to lift my spear gun and try and fend it off and it went straight over my head. It would have been one meter above me. The girth of the thing, like a car going over. Whoa. Massive. Oh my God. Anyway, Whoa. the speed of the shark as it bit down on William's elbow and vigorously shook him created an unusual wound. So the salt water forced into the area at high pressure had sort of a gouging effect. And it was, oh my God. So he didn't become aware of the pain until he realized the shark's tactics had moved him further from the reef and out onto the sand. Returning to the cover of the reef, he noticed he was bleeding badly. Visibility was diminishing. Oh, God. Blood was making the water shimmery, he said. At that stage, I was feeling woozy. I was beginning to fade. The shark charged at me again. It got to within a couple of metres. And all of a sudden, it did a shimmy in the water, turned turned its tail and took off the speed of the thing. He was like, what the fuck has happened? Then he saw his two mates coming through the gloom. And he was like, "That it was the fucking shark alarm shit. Oh, that one oh, of his mates was wearing yeah. on her ankle oh that my god her that coming closer that sent it flying thing. so uh, there he saw Jenny was his mate's name signalling she had seen a shark and he was like no shit Sherlock <laughs> and uh, they got him back onto the boat and oh, of course the arm was gone but he he lived to tell the tale Jesus so another one, it's why? just bonkers isn't it it's amazing that bit where he's like look I definitely will die if I don't try and work out how to. Yes. And like he just prolonged long enough to be rescued there. Yeah, but it's. But imagine you're just, just being alone down there. Uh, with fighting. only yourself. 
And like, I just feel like I'm the most useless person. In you that would, kind of you wouldn't. You'd party. You would fight to survive. But it's oh, yeah, be really hard though fighting like, a car. Very <laughs> difficult to fight a car <laughs> yeah. with what the equivalent with, of a toothpick. Yeah, uh, that like, would be. It's basically a car with like two massive chainsaws. Yeah. on the front of it. Yeah. yeah. Very and it really to wants to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So you just really need to be, pr- you know, wear those b- ankle. That's, that's proof of that thing working. What that's I imagine amazing, it is, you know, it? you know, you can get those plug-ins for, for the mice. Mice. And yeah. So one of them, I bought one thinking it would work for spiders. I'd buy any old shark. <laughs> anyway, it didn't. But uh, it does appear to work for sharks. So anyway, that's my, stay out of the water. Go into the water, but be aware you might die. You're definitely out of your habitat, you know. It's like, we shouldn't be here. Nah. It's nah. cool though. It's cool, but like things that are dangerous are often cool. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the coolness. Anyway. I just, there two parts of that freak me out because I'm so freaked out by scuba diving as well. I can love the diving stories for some reason. I yeah. Think they're like, it's so you're on a different planet. It's because really it feels and freaky. It feels yeah. so inevitable that you would die doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> so dangerous. Yeah. And you're like, you're on, you're more out of reach than somebody in space sometimes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. You can be. Like, and even the journey to try and get to you, as we've much discovered, is can be so complicated. Yeah. And dangerous as well. You are, you know, this is really funny because when we started the creep dive, we were getting picked up by this Twitter account that auto, like obviously automatically retweets things with dive and it was a diving <laughs> Do you remember that? I remember that. No. It was yeah. a diving Twitter like, like account. Kind of, you know. And it would just like retweet the creep dive. And I was like, not the right Guys, dive, no. sir. But now. <laughs> but thank you. Now it is. Oh, there you go. Oh, now I understand. Dive, creep, dive. I understand. Took me a minute. It really did take you a minute. I was recalling back to other dive stories. I was like, oh, maybe. Never mind. So um, there you go. There you go. Sophie, thanks what's very your much, Jen. So the BuzzFeed headline, you will know the story immediately, I think. Oh, go for it, go for it, go for it. Um, although maybe I could do something a bit more cryptic. We two made one. Do you know it? We two made, made one. one. Okay. This has been oft requested. Is um, this is this the cloned baby? <gasps> no. Oh. But you're not a million miles off. It is twins. It is a folie de situation, <gasps> which we do know we do is love. a Cassie special. Like the one we you did of the two going into the, the traffic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, that video is hard to forget. That's a mega story. Always reminds me of the granny just straight after the Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> up to shoot your man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was gas. It's just the way she was like running barefoot over broken glass and shit. And like three police officers couldn't get her down. <laughs> it was a demon. Okay, so this is the story of the silent twins as they became known. Oh, um, I know this. Yeah, June and Jennifer Gibbons, who were born in 1963, um, both on the 11th of April. And they were identical. <laughs> what a coincidence. What a coincidence. <laughs> My friend was telling me about her husband's star sign and mentioned his twin brother. And I was like, what's his star <laughs> sign? <laughs> it's great. She just looked at me. She didn't even bother. You just idiot. idiot. Okay, so the silent twins are one of the most misrepresentative, misrepresented 
stories I've ever come across. Because I started down this path because somebody had sent it to me and I thought I was researching one thing, freaky twins. Mm. Then I realized that no, I was actually researching fucked up as fuck, corrupted bullshit uh, medical institution in, in the UK. Broadmoor Hospital. Broadmoor. The the most famous uh like insane asylum in um but we don't call them that, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Started out as like it was Who's built there in now? Victorian times. Look like your man the Ripper died there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Myra Hindley and um not uh don't think Myra Rose. Uh let me see. I've got a few notables all right. You've got um Remember John? The Stockwell Strangler, oh, yes. Kenneth Erskine. Do love the alliteration of that. Um yeah. We've got the London Nail Bomber, uh Peter Sutcliffe, who is the Yorkshire Ripper, as you said. Dead. Rest in um, RIP. Um loads and Rape. loads of really um just the just the most violent and dangerous um hell cr- criminals. hell on earth and a lot most people who are in there are in there with no possibility of parole or recovery or moving into a, a kind of more like standard prison system John Ronson put, met did the psychopath test story he, yeah he interviewed a guy who was faking psychopathy and had been had got trapped in there trapped in Broadmoor because everything on the site on that list box ticking list this uh, the, the psychopath test. psychopath test mm. and he uh, there's no way out you yeah it's like once you're in there and once they've deemed you a psychopath there's no all of your no, behavior can be kind of a, you know attributed to yeah like you protesting your non psychopathy is a just feeding back into yeah. manipulation yes. Yes. manipulation yeah so basically, uh, June and Jennifer uh, were the daughters of Gloria and Aubrey, who came from the Caribbean, and they moved from Barbados to the UK in the early sixties. Two women? No, no. Aubrey's a man. Okay. And so, um, two ladies. <laughs> I'm watching that Philez Navidad film. I don't know what that is. Oh, the 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 holiday movie, whatever it's called. Holiday. holiday. I turned yeah. it off. No, is it so, so did bad? I. Well, it's happiest season. Happy. I turned season. it off after. I couldn't get through five it ten minutes or something. There was a lot of kissing, like an over amount of kissing, pushing it in yeah. your face. I was just like, we know <laughs> that they are gay together. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> one for the mouth noises in the yeah. film. This freaks me out. Uh, and also lesbians are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never You've seen... just halved our audience. <laughs> That's a joke, obviously. Um so anyway, Aubrey was a technician for the Royal Air Force and Gloria was a, a stay-at-home mother, and the couple had a daughter who was Greta and a son called David before they went on to have their twins, June and Jennifer. Okay, so from Dot, basically, June and Jennifer, the twins were completely inseparable. And that seems fair. They were they're twins baby and they're also siblings. Like yes, these babies are always together. <laughs> these babies are obsessed with each other. Um, and they did have a younger sister as well, um, Samantha, who they kind of included, sorry, Rose, said it so confidently. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, who they kind of included in their games and stuff like that. 
But um, what they did, like in all the kind of stories where the twins are like the freaky, silent twins, it's always like they had their own weird secret language that nobody could understand. Oh, I and love you just those. know that it's fucked up. But actually, it was just um, like a dialect of Creole that oh, was they from, were literally speaking another. They were language. actually just speaking their language, yeah. and it was kind of a sped up version because they did have a kind of um, like a cleft palate. Okay, and um, that kind of gave them both like a slight speech impediment, and then they were speaking a language that others didn't understand. So, ergo, that immediately translated into oh, those twins are so fucking weird. Also, children. The no one can understand children. children anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh my God, like Seb needs me to translate Arlo. Yeah, you see. But anyway, they were also the only black children in their community uh, and in their school. And they were right. bullied relentlessly. Yes. It was just horrific for them. So much so that it's actually baffling, but it's like the 60s. And their teacher was obviously aware enough of all the racist bullying mm-hmm. to be like, you gals, okay, School's nearly over. I'll just let June and Jennifer oh go God. early so they can get a head start. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so sad. And like, so obviously that was just massively traumatizing. And therefore, they became even less interested in talking to fucking anyone else bar each other. Yeah. Um, and it, it started like becoming like a, an issue with their school and with every other people in the community being kind of like, what's wrong with June? Mm and Jennifer and they were very wrapped up uh, in each other and basically one day um, they were administering vaccines in the school and the um, there's your first problem <laughs> another joke 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 <laughs> you're joke Rogan uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I just fly close to the sun <laughs> Um, so anyway, this doctor was doing the vaccinations and he noticed that these two young uh, girls were, as he described, verging on catatonic. Wow. And he thought there was something like very seriously uh, going wrong here. And they were about six or seven at the time. Yeah. And uh, he basically recommended that they see a child psychologist. And from then on, they were Ooh, basically uh, sort of swapped between a succession of therapists and psychologists who all were just trying to get them to talk and engage with other people. And eventually they decide, I'm like, they're, they're so young. I suppose this what's so crazy to me. They're like seven or eight at this point. And like kids, like they go through so many weird phases. Like it's just, it's, I felt like something might've started a bit unusual here. And then it seemed to snowball with the way it was all dealt with. Making them more and more ostracized. More and more ostracized, feeling more and more isolated. And then therefore just kind of becoming more and more wrapped up with each other. Um, And uh, so anyway, they eventually recommended that the girls be sent to separate boarding schools. Oh God. Yeah. In an attempt to force them apart. Um, But then when they were sent to the separate schools, each of them in their separate locations, completely shut down. And like, just would like, like they'd have to be kind of moved around from place to place within their school. And like, it was very like overt. Yeah. Like that they just shut down, stopped functioning. And then they were reunited, like pretty rapidly. Their parents at this point just lost kind of control of their treatment, presumably. Yeah, I think so. And obviously they were like, you know, in a marginalized, they were marginalized in the community and probably just like, you know, just not being listened to. Mm -hmm. And also I think they were scared because I just think 
you have your children and you're scared yeah. at the any sign of something being and like you listen off. to doctors and you trust doctors and like especially in the 70s and stuff and being like a black family in a white community like just the power to advocate for yourself is just not there yeah. I'd say do you know what I mean like as much as they probably tried so anyway they then were reunited and then they spent two years in their bedroom and they played they were in there they created a very elaborate kind of interior world for themselves they played uh um with their dolls they made they made up plays and stories they um but they talked to each other aloud yeah like still in their kind of like version of creole and they built both became just so obsessed with writing and they each got a diary for christmas in like 1979 and so they were kind of early teens at this point and they just became like these kind of uh, just you know like prolific writers and um, they decided they sent away they decided like this is going to be our career we're going to be mm-hmm. authors and they sent away for like a mail order course in creative writing and they both wrote stories poems novels they were set in the US mostly and um, they are very unusual stories they're just incredibly imaginative for so two young girls in the 70s in Wales separately or together separately yeah they seem to have their individual kind of mm. projects and like so one June wrote a novel called Pepsi Cola Addict um, in which a high school uh, student is seduced by a teacher then sent away to a reformatory where a gay guard makes a play for him um, so like it's just like big imaginative stories um, and they actually got they actually pooled their money to get one of the novels published like uh, kind of by a self-publishing yeah. press and um, they had other attempts to try and publish their novels and stories but uh, they weren't um, successful this is an interesting one Jennifer wrote one called The Pugilist where a doctor is so desperate to save his child's life that he kills the family dog to obtain its heart for a transplant I swear that's the storyline from like one of Roald Dahl's like stories for adults yeah. like it's got that kind of surreal vibe like uh, the dog spirit after the transplant lives on in the child and ultimately has its revenge against the father I want to fucking read that story oh my god yes yeah Pugist the Pugilist Pugilist um, yeah and uh, so they just are like very very devoted to their writing so then right they're kind of like 16, 17 now and like they've just now at this point like I think they've just shifted so far out of what a kind of traditional track is for teens in the 70s and 80s of like school, get out of school, get a job, have those kind of plans and um, it's just still kind of so much the two of them. They've also really left Rose the younger sister behind and they just are so um like uh, just estranged from their parents as well and their older siblings and then they start like they're just getting into kind of like drugs and booze like kind of any teenagers really Um, so they're leaving the house yeah they start they start yeah now this is kind of newish like they just sort of start kind of testing the waters a bit and they um, have these boys they've left school at this point and there was this boy who had been in their school that they kind of become a bit obsessed with him and his brother and his friend and they start kind of hanging out with those boys, like, and just in that kind of usual teenage way of just mm. hanging out and like drinking and like doing drugs and stuff like that. And 
the boys it sounds like the boys were kind of shitheads in that maybe in that kind of 17 18 mm. year old boy way but uh not that not that that's excusing it stop being shitheads boys but you know like i think that they kind of mocked them yeah but yeah. like kept them around and then kind of you know like just fucked around with them and i think that just like continuation and Jennifer, of the bullying yeah and june and jennifer like were so excited i think by this kind yeah. of new development like this new outlet and anyway like they they ended up um, like one of them this again is also something that's like played up hugely in all the kind of stories about them that like kind of sens- sensationalized their kind of you know life is that one of them like lost her virginity to one lost her virginity fuck off that phrase sorry one of them had sex for the first time with this boy one of these shits and then um, the other watched yeah and it was all in a graveyard Okay. So it was all a, right. a pretty unusual scenario, all right. Um, but anyway, after that, they started kind of fucking around with vandalism and a few little bits of arson. Right. right. The arson now That's would what get be you. their fucking downfall. So they, I think like anybody would consider those kind of like minor I don't want to say minor because people could have gotten injured but nobody did and you know like I feel like you're getting slaps on the wrist for assaulting people sometimes yeah I know yeah what happened to him they sentenced them to Broadmoor oh my god at the age of fucking 18 or something 18 Jesus the two of them but they probably had this like long medical history where they were like off to Broadmoor oh, you yeah. go. Problem twins. Literally, these are people we don't understand Broadmoor. Yeah. Like, it's so, it just makes me, it just makes you so angry when you start reading about it. And you're like, fucking hell, these actually were like, like both really talented young women. They just weren't communicating the way, you know, people wanted them to. And like, so they were put into Broadmoor with like, we just listed a few of the like, just most violent and kind of irredeemable criminals in British history. And then these just girls in their late teens, like it's just terrifying. Like I was going to read you just like one or two of these. uh, Like this is a guy who, okay, admittedly he wasn't there at the time that the twins were, but like he is John Straffan and he was a British serial killer. And um, he killed two young girls in the early 50s was found to be unfit um, for uh, reasons of insanity and committed to Broadmoor. He escaped in 1952, so the following year, he escaped from Broadmoor and was out for a matter of hours before he killed another child in the vicinity. Oh my God. After that event, they instated a huge Policy change. No, an alarm that goes off when there's a breach mm. that can be heard for miles around the countryside so that everyone who lives in the vicinity of Broadmoor goes into lockdown. Isn't that terrifying? Yes. Absolutely terrifying. Like a, Imagine being yeah. out for a walk and yeah. hearing that alarm go off. Oh it's like in gosh. Hawaii when that accidental alarm went off and everyone's mobile phone to say in, a missile is incoming. Seek shelter. Oh my God, Jesus. <gasps> yeah, it was just a fuck up. But everyone was like, what? 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 Yeah. Where would you I'm, seek shelter from I don't a know. missile I don't as well? <laughs> it's like I, I get under know. the table. The, sea, <laughs> the sharks will eat you. 
Yeah, under the de- in the doorway, Cass. I think. Oh, there's just under a bath. Would you turn up, turn a bath? Over Very you? challenging. Um, Could you imagine attempting that? The Yorkshire Ripper was there at the time that the wow. girls were there. Presumably, there was gender. I mean, separation. I know the girls were separated from each other while they were there. God, just like again for the whole time. No, I don't think for the whole time. So they were there for eleven years in total. Oh, Jesus, eleven years. Like their entire. It was just like. Oh, their twenties, their twenties, just stolen from them. Um, they, uh, I'm just trying to find this one guy that I read about that was. In, oh yeah, this guy. I just am fascinated by this guy. This guy called Graham Young, um, was in Broadmoor, um, around the same time. He was obsessed with poison and had been imprisoned, um, for murder in his teens, but was released again. Like there you go. He murdered someone. And was released. And then was released a few years later. They literally burnt down like a hardware shop. I know that's not great. But then, bam, into Broadmoor. So anyway, he, right, this guy, Graham Young, um, loved his bit of poison, started testing out poisons on his family to see where the line was between violently ill to fully dead. dead. Um, He was constantly um, buying poison off the pharmacy and saying they were for science experiments at school like he's 14 then his uh, granny died when he was 15 died from poisoning and um, he had been poisoning his father and sister and a school friend um, and uh, they all um, would they all were suspicious but then when he started suffering from nausea and sickness they they um they realized, oh no, no, couldn't, couldn't be, him. couldn't be, because he's, he's also, sick too. yeah, and that actually that was just down to him sometimes forgetting which food he had laced. Apparently, uh, he was sent to a psychiatrist. He he confessed to the attempted murders of the uh, father, sister, and friend, and um, they believe he killed his stepmother as well, but that couldn't be ascertained for sure because she had been cremate, cremated. Right, so cut to right. Young was sentenced to fifteen years in Broadmoor, and um, actually. Uh, released after nine having been deemed fully recovered right after he left the hospital he began working as a storekeeper at a laboratory oh which my. seems like a oh, terrible really bad idea next step for this guy so anyway he was constantly um close to chemicals presumably and so after he began work his boss and um, started uh, sort of showing signs of illness then <gasps> promptly died dead um, transpired that uh, this guy Young had been um, in charge of the tea duties oh. and every time they were like oh I'd murder a cuppa <laughs> this guy was like <laughs> making the tea and they were like where's the bourbons and he was like drink up and anyway um, yeah so uh, they um, he was just giving all the um, laced tea to all his uh, what was his poison of choice um, his poison of choice oh uh, when he was younger now there was one here but I didn't recognise what it was uh, uh, an antimony and digitalis hmm. uh, so don't know what they are anyway he poisoned about 70 people Jesus. during the months that he was out though none fatally except um, his boss well, except his boss yeah so the poor old boss didn't have to die did he so anyway, cut back to June and Jennifer, right? Who are in this fucking God forsaken place 
um, on for 11 years. And um, so June later blamed this on their individual selective muteness. So basically just that they chose not to talk. That uh, okay. it kind of, she said that like, we just got 12 years of hell because we didn't speak. We lost hope, really. I wrote a letter to the Queen asking her to get us out, but we were trapped. Yeah. And they were on at high doses of medication. I'd say just disorientating them further. I can't, like, it's not to for obviously me to say whether they definitely needed these medications, but like... To a doctor. Oh yeah, of course my PhD. Yes. Okay, so I think they were misdiagnosed and mistreated. Um, but you know, if you're put on something that's not really appropriate, it's very, you know, it fucks with you. Mind altering. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, like Jennifer, who I think seems like the kind of slightly more res- reserved kind of personality of the two, but like, just not as strong, I think, as June seemed to develop a kind of uh, nerve neurological disorder that was like a lot of ticks and repetitive movements. And uh, they were very like sedated until their medications were kind of adjusted sufficiently That's to allow them. incredibly unfair because they to... come up for reviews every so often. I know. And sure, you're reviewing a heavily medicated person like that. You're clearly going to be like not fit for the world right now no, this person completely. isn't yeah. and they're totally unable to stand and able up to, to them break them. the yeah. cycle of it then because they're just constantly being kind of deemed like catatonic yeah anyway um they finally uh got out of broadmoor tg they were being transferred to another clinic that was like more of a hospital um and they had always had this pact that if one died the other must begin to speak and live a normal life. What? So it was like they'd kind of become so enmeshed that they were almost, like there was kind of, there's been some sort of passages from June's diary that like seem like they hate each other, but they can't get away from each other and they don't even know where one ends and one begins kind of thing. And so anyway, when they were being transferred to this other hospital, finally, um, Jennifer died literally on arrival of a a sudden inflammation of the heart and um, there was no drugs or poison in her system she had no prior conditions and her death was a mystery oh my god yeah um, and your man hadn't been near her with a cup of tea or a bourbon no? not even offering a bourbon would you believe june said that um that jennifer had been acting strangely uh, for about a day before their transfer and um, that her speech had been slurring. Then another, um, uh, a journalist who the twins confided in at the time and gave an interview and she eventually wrote a book and um, said that she found June was in a very strange mood uh, pr- just prior uh, to the transfer and that after Jennifer died, she said, I'm free at last, liberated. And what? at last Jennifer has given up her life for me. What? Yeah. Now. Now, did she kill Jennifer? No. Right. There's absolutely no, no. way. I don't know. But that's what was li- the cause of death? I think heart. Well, it was a sudden inflammation of the heart, acute myocarditis. So a heart oh. attack. I think that's what that no, means. No, myocarditis like replicates a heart attack. Oh. 
just a heart attack in a myocarditis. Cassie yeah. Delaney, Mask. MD, did not waste 2020 either. <laughs> Jen. Specialist, cardiologist, <laughs> Cassie. No, it happened to my dad if he, when we were younger. He had myocarditis and we were all brought into the hospital and told to say goodbye. And then he... Oh, oh fuck God. Yeah, then he recovered. Jesus, that's a bit insane. Yeah. Poor things. Fucking hell. Well, anyway, I think that June uh, felt that her sister has just been really neglected during the 10 years, yeah, 11 years they were in Baltimore and that that could well have been um, an issue that was ongoing and underlying and not uh, not seen. So anyway, um, like this is sad. The rest of the family uh, gave an interview in 2016 saying that they had been so troubled by their children's incarceration but had no idea what like how to, how to help get her. them out and like if you can find picture in the 80s like I just feel like there just wasn't as much I mean there was a lot of activism of course there was but I just feel like <sighs> they were screwed yeah and mm. um, anyway they June is still alive and still writes she's considered an outsider writer like an outsider artist Um. And I like some of their work is really beautiful. Like their writing is um, amazing. And uh, but like her life has just been completely destroyed by all of this. Like I don't think there's any sense that she can have, a, have any, any kind of normal life. Normal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like uh, there's actually a brilliant documentary in the shadow of oh in the shadow of my sister oh is that what it's called it's on youtube and you find it easily enough and june is in it giving her own story and uh it's um it's really really fucking sad that's very sad isn't it fascinating though yes very fascinating god i know well at least you know she's out there's no real silver lining here actually is it? I'm trying to find some of the um, some of their writing here because I had some um, put aside to read. I'm going to watch this. Here it is. This is really interesting. I think this is... Um, Without my shadow. Without my shadow. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. So this was like um, June writing about Jennifer. This is kind of prose, but it's very lyrical. So it's like something like magic is happening. I'm seeing Jennifer for the first time like she is seeing me. I think she is slow, cold, has no respect and talks too much. But she thinks I am the same. We are both holding each other back. There is a murderous gleam in her eye. Dear Lord, I am scared of her. She is not normal. She's having a nervous breakdown. If someone someone is driving her insane, it is me. Whoa. But it's like it's incredible Very good. writing. And uh, yeah, I think that um, they just were, it was so complicated, so complex. Yeah. I don't think that like anybody can really even pick apart what pick, yeah. yeah, or even really get enough insight into what it was like to be the two of them. Mad. So interesting though. Yeah. And sad. What Very a complete sad. miscarriage of justice. Like. Yeah, I know. For that 11 years. Yeah, like that. Just even put up against that other guy who murdered somebody and was out in about three. Mm-hmm. And like... I mean, it's going on to this day. But yeah. so we've always done through history with problematic women. Not even problematic women, but women who weren't... Outsiders. Women okay. who were outsiders. Yeah. We just institutionalized them or, you know, pushed them into the sea. Mm-hmm. 
Randall Witch Trials. Yep. Just a terrible world to be a woman Just in. Just a terrible world and a terrible world to be black in a white community. Oh, yeah. And I kind of just, can, I kind of feel like the parents... I just feel like the powerlessness there must have been hard. Dreadful. Oh, just unbelievable. Anyway, that was an amazing so. story. Thank you. I'm definitely going to watch that documentary. Yeah, me too. It sounds great. Yeah. Very fascinating. And thank you, listener, for listening. Loads to... Thank you so much to our patrons. Yes. With you are amazing. Each, each week. And we'll see you for the celebrity... And not celebrity. Shall we charity? If you're not a patron mm-hmm. and you want to join the Christmas Zoom... You can do Once so. Off, hit. It's you can all do going so by to... ma- Jack and Jill Foundation. Yeah. You can make a donation. We are putting in a thousand euro donation to get things going. And details are on broadcast.talltales.ie. So we'll purchase put... your ticket there. Brilliant. So we'll, so if you just listen and you don't want to do the monthly, what how much is the special? A contribution of your choice? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we leave it open. We could suggest like a few quid and then say if you want to put more, you can. Yeah. If that's, a, if that, if you're able yeah. to do that on the site. Brilliant. So we'll see you there. Yeah, we can't wait. It's see you on Thursday. It's going to be good. Bye. What are we going to wear? <laughs> what, I don't know. Bye. 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 See you then. Thanks. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.